we will focus on what can we do to prepare for the new year. Preparing yourself for the new year. Because if you get into the year and you're not prepared for it, you know, sometimes we end up not reaching our goals. We end up not going anywhere if you're not prepared for it. We are going to look at the book of John. The book of John. Something very interesting about the book of John. Um, John starts the miracles of Jesus with a wedding. Actual fact, uh, John does not even call them miracles. He calls them signs. And I'm going to talk about it towards the end. John calls them signs, not miracles. Why does he start with a wedding? That is very significant. That's very significant. You know, when Jesus attended a wedding at Cana, which is about almost seven miles out of uh, Bethlehem, no, out of uh, Nazareth, I'm sorry, not Bethlehem, Nazareth, where Jesus uh, grew up. Bethlehem is where he was born in, in Judea, down south. And Cana and Nazareth, they're in the northern part of Israel around the Galilee area. Now the question is, why, why did John make sure that he records the miracle, the first miracle that Jesus did at a wedding? I'm going to look at some few things here. One of the things that I believe he's doing is he emphasizes the importance of wedding and marriages. He emphasizes the institution of marriage. Now how important it is. Actual fact, you know, God takes our relationships so seriously. Relationships are not a joke. Relationships are something which is very serious. And God takes relationships very seriously. And to prove that, when you read your Bible, the Bible starts and ends with a marriage. Right from the, book, uh, from the beginning, in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, God started with the relationship of Adam and Eve. That's how important relationships and marriages are to God. That's how important they are to God. Now, the relationship of Adam and Eve, it was the first marriage relationship between a man and a woman. Between a man and a woman. And we still maintain that as Christians. We still believe that. That marriage, it's, it's still, nothing has changed. Marriage, it's still between a man and a woman. Because after God instituted marriage between a man and a woman, He never changed. If somebody does not believe in the Bible, well, it's okay for them. But we believe in the Bible, and based on the Word of God, marriage is only between a man and a woman. That is the only marriage that is recognized. When you go through the Bible, the Bible ends with a marriage supper. It ends with a marriage relationship. 
in Revelation chapter 19, the end of the Bible, it's about the marriage of the Lamb. The church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. So, you see how much important marriages are. You see how important God respects marriages. You see how serious God takes it, uh, takes marriage, you know, when it comes to relationships. Relationships are not just for the sake of boyfriend and girlfriend and it ends up there. All relationships must be focusing towards marriage. All relationships must end with marriage. Any relationship that is not focusing on marriage, it is not a godly relationship. You don't get into a relationship just to play with somebody's feelings, somebody's emotions. God takes marriages so seriously. He takes marriages so seriously. And we'll see quite a number of examples or parables that Jesus talked about. You know, he, gives, he gave examples of marriages. Now, in the book of John, here we see, John chapter 2, here we see the first miracle or the first sign that Jesus did. And it was in a wedding celebration. That is very significant. That speaks volumes. It was not by mistake. Because that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry and he started the ministry in a marriage relationship, in a marriage celebration. In a wedding. Jesus gave parables on weddings and marriages. You know, the reason why he gave ex uh, parables in, uh, in marriages and relationships and weddings is because it was, I mean, it made a lot of sense to those who were living at that time. They could identify with the culture and it made it easy for them to interpret those parables. The way they used to do it, uh, I'll try to summarize it here. Some of you, you were there when I talked about it the other time. When a young man sees a young woman and he wants to marry her and he proposes her, what he will do, he will go to the parents. And when he's accepted, then he will go back home and he will talk to his father and say, Father, I'm preparing to get married to this young lady in such and such a village or such and such a town. And during that time, what will happen is the girl, the bride, she will prepare herself for, for the wedding. As she prepares herself, she will find some friends she will find some friends. And those friends, they will come and wait for the day. They will come to her house and stay there. And they will stay there during the day and even at night. And what will happen is, because they did not know when the groom will come. So they will prepare themselves. And in case he comes at night, they will make sure that their lamps, their lamps have oil. And they are ready to you know, to turn their lamps on uh, because they didn't have electricity at that time. So they would depend on the lamps. So each one of them, they will have their own lamps ready. Whether it's during the day or during the night. And they will stay there and wait and wait and wait. Sometimes they will wait for weeks. Sometimes they will wait even for months. 
while the young man is at home, he will tell his father and say, I'm preparing to get married. And the father will ask, where you get married, but where will your wife, where will you stay with your wife? Then the, the father will help the young man to, to build a house, to prepare a house. So that the day he gets married, he will go and collect his bride and he will come back home. And when they go, go back home, they will celebrate for seven days. They will celebrate for seven days. Now, the daughter or that lady, she will wait and wait and wait expectantly, but not knowing when they are coming. Nobody will know when they are coming. It all depends on when they are done with preparing uh, the house, with building the house. And after they finish building the house, then the young man will get his friends also. And he will get his family. And they will go to the house of the, of the young lady. And they will start to dance and celebrate and make noise to show that now we are here. Sometimes they will arrive during the day or sometimes they will arrive at night. Now, that is why when Jesus, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus gave a parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, it made a lot of sense to them. It made a lot of sense to the culture of that time. And they understood when he said that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. They had no oil. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go, rather to those who sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, those who were ready, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But the answer was, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And the Bible finally says, in Matthew 25, verse 13, Which I wanted to pay attention to. He says, Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. We just have to make sure that we stay ready. 
We stay ready. When you go to John chapter 14, Jesus also talks about uh, a wedding. But this time is the wedding of the Lamb and the church. The wedding of Jesus and his church. In John chapter 14, he gives the same analogy. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. And in verse 2 he says, In my father's house are many mansions. This is very important. Are many mansions. Why? He's saying, Well, my father has prepared a place for you. We have prepared a place for you. He's talking about the church. He's talking about you and me. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? I like verse 6. He says, Bible says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now you realize that all these parables, all these explanations, all these descriptions, Jesus framed it within the culture of that time. And with them, they will understand what he, what he was talking about. Because it fit Exactly with the way they did their marriages. So they will celebrate for about seven days. Now another thing that I want us to look at is, you know, when you go to the book of John chapter 2, from verse 1, the Bible says, it was on the third day, it was on the third day that they, uh, they had a wedding. Now the third day, it's the only day that was blessed twice based on the, on the scripture. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, And the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after his kind. And the three yielded, yielding fruit, or the tree yielded, yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after this kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. This is the first time that we have a day that God said it was good twice. All the other days after he finished doing his job, he will say it is good, it is good, it is good. Look at the second one. The same chapter, Genesis chapter 1 verse 6. God made two great lights. Yeah, that's when he created the sun and the moon. The larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. Verse 17. God said this light in the sky to light the earth. Verse 18. To govern the day and night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. It was good. So the Jews, the Hebrews, at that point the Jews believed that the third day is double blessed. It's double blessed. Now, everybody wanted to have their wedding on the third day. Why? Because the third day 
it's a blessed day. It's a special day. Everybody believes that if you have your wedding on the third day, you will be double blessed. You will be double blessed. Now let's go to, uh, to John. Let's go to John chapter, uh, chapter 2. Let's go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2 verse 1. The Bible says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Number two. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Number three. The, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. They have no more wine. And that is very, very significant. That is very, very significant. What you see here is, we see Jesus having been invited to a wedding. Some scholars, they believe that uh, it was one of their relatives who was getting married. That's why the whole family was there. You see it in verse 12. The whole family was there. Jesus was there. His brothers were there. Mary was there. And Jesus also invited his 12 disciples to come with him. Actual fact, some, some believe that it was one of Jesus' brothers who was getting married. Well, we, it's, not, it's not there on the scripture, but that's what some of the scholars believe. But it was a close relative to Jesus. It was a close relative to Jesus. That's why Mary was so concerned when they ran out of wine. That's why Jesus was, I mean, Mary was so concerned when they ran out of wine. So the whole family was invited. It's very interesting. We are not told where Joseph was at that point. Some scholars believe that he, he had died at that point. He was no longer alive. But anyway, Canaan was about seven miles from Nazareth. They were enjoying the, the party. They were having fun and enjoying and everything was going well. During the excitement, at some point they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine. You know, running out of wine during a big ceremony like that, it was very embarrassing. It was very, if you organize a party, then during the party, people run out of food, or they run out of drinks, or they run out of water, or whatever is provided. It was so embarrassing. So, it will prove that it means you're not ready, you're not prepared for the event. They ran out of wine. When they ran out of wine, Something that is very interesting. They behaved like everything is still okay. They continued to celebrate like they still had wine. They continued to, to celebrate like everything is still good. They continued to dance and make noise and, you know, sing as if everything was still okay. Until Mary discovered it. That no, these guys are just pretending there's no more wine here. There's no more wine. And she privately went to see Jesus. She privately went to see Jesus and said to him, that Jesus, even though you see them dancing, you see them uh, you know, jumping up and down and singing, they have run out of wine. I have noticed it. They have run out of wine. 
But they pretend like everything is still normal. They pretend like they still have wine. Brothers and sisters, wine in 2022 could represent life. Wine in 2022 could represent relationships, friendships. It could represent your finances. It could represent your health. It could represent your business. It could represent your career. It could represent your opportunities. You know, it's very interesting that there are some people who, even when they have run out of wine in their lives, they still pretend like they still have it. They still behave like everything is still okay. And they still post on social media, on Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter, Instagram. You will think their lives are just perfect. They present themselves as the most successful people in the village, in town, in the city. They prove to you that all is well. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that everyone on Facebook is rich? Everyone on Facebook, they are enjoying nice vacation. Everyone on Facebook is a CEO. Everyone on Facebook is a director. Everyone on Instagram has a great relationship. Everything is going well with them. They pretend like they still have wine. Until Mary discovered, oh, these guys, they have no wine. <laughs> they have no wine anymore. My brother, my sister, in 2022, at some point the wine will run out. But the question is, what will you do when the wine runs out? Will you continue to pretend like Everything is normal. Like everything is going well with you. Even when you know you need some help. You know you need some help. You know you need some help. You don't have to show off. And try to prove any points to anybody. When you have run out of wine. You have to acknowledge that you have run out of wine. And you need some help. This couple was very smart. You know what they did? Of all the people that they invited, they made sure that they invite Jesus also. When they ran out of wine, Jesus was there to make more and sweeter wine for them. And my question to you is, who are you inviting? As you start 2022, as you start the new year, who are you inviting in your life? Some of you are inviting friends. I have seen some people saying, oh, in 2022 I want to have new friends. I want to have better friends. I want to have friends who will celebrate me and not tolerate me. It's okay, you can invite new friends. Some people are saying, I want to have a new set of friends. I'm done with the 2021 friends. I want new friends. Some of you want to invite your brothers. You want to invite your, your sisters. You want to invite your family. Maybe you're not in good terms with them before. And you want to say, I want to have good, to be in good terms with my, with my parents. I want to be in good terms with my brothers, with my sisters. Which is okay. You want to start working well with your colleagues. You want to, to reconnect with your pastor. You want to connect with your advisor or, or your counselor. You want to, to, to connect, to reconnect with people again. It's okay to do that. But one thing for sure, it's all human beings. 
No matter their status. All human beings are just human beings. There are things that they can do for you. And there are things that they cannot do for you. Some people are saying, oh, in 2022, I want to make sure I have a good girlfriend, I have a good boyfriend. I want to get into a relationship. My brother, my sister, human beings are limited. Sometimes we expect human beings to do things that they are not capable of doing. We invite people in our lives with some expectations. You expect that somebody else will make you happy. Some people invite their you know, new boyfriends or new girlfriends with the hope that they will make them happy. You know, some people when you get into their lives, when they invite you in their lives, they give you a job description. They give you a job. You know what your job is? Your job as a man, your job as a woman, your job as their boyfriend, your job as their girlfriend, is to make them happy. That's your main job description. Make me happy. Make me happy. Make me happy. When you fail to make me happy, I fire you. Some of the people that you have invited in your lives, if they fail to make you happy, some of them by March, they'll be gone. Some of them by April, they'll be fired. Some of them by May, they'll be fired. Because their job is to make you happy. And you notice, you realize that they are failing to make you happy. Unfortunately, some people, you invite everybody. You invite new friends. You invite, you know, your family. You invite your colleagues into this new year, 2022. But you forget to invite Christ in your life. The Bible says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the life giver. My advice to you, my brother, my advice to you, my sister, is invite him in your life. If you want 2022 to be a better year for you, invite Christ in your life. Make, make, make prayer your daily life. Invite him every day through prayer. Through prayer. Why? Because at some point in 2022, I guarantee you, I assure you, I'm not a prophet. But I assure you that somewhere in 2022, you will run out of wine. It's not a negative confession, it's a reality. At some point, you will run out of wine. Please invite Christ to be part of your business. Invite Him to be part of your relationship. Invite Him to be part of your finances. Invite Him to be part of your family. Invite Him to be part of your health. He's the only one who can meet all your needs. Other people, other friends, relatives, colleagues, at some point during this year, they will disappoint you. They will disappoint you. Without Christ in your life, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are setting a trap for yourself. You need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus in this journey. When the wine of life runs out, you don't have to get frustrated. You know who you can run to. That is the best preparation you can ever make for 2022. Prepare for 2022 by inviting Him in all areas of your life. Through prayer. Through prayer. There is nothing that you and Jesus cannot overcome in 2022. When you stick to Him. When you rely on Him. When you put your trust in Him, 
There is nothing that you and Jesus cannot overcome in 2022. This couple, they invited Jesus to be part of their wedding. Who are you inviting in 2022? I understand you need new friends, it's true. You need new connections, it's true. But please, let Jesus be a center of your life, be a center of your relationships. In verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus responded. He says, dear woman, that's not our problem. I like his, his answer. He says, my time has not yet come. That's in verse 4. John chapter 2, verse 4. Have you ever felt like God is delaying to answer your prayers? Let me assure you, God's timing is always the best timing. Have you ever felt that sometimes God does not listen to your prayers? Jesus was invited. His mother was invited. The disciples were invited. And when the party ran out of wine, his mother told him, they have run out of wine. They have no more wine. They have no more wine. And Jesus says, Woman, Woman, why did Jesus call his mother woman? Is that not being disrespectful? Woman. Let me say this to you. Jesus was not disrespectful. Jesus was scriptural. When he said woman, he reminded those who understood the scriptures, those who understood the Hebrew scriptures. Because it started right in the beginning. Those who understand the Torah or the Pentateuch. You know, the Hebrews, they had the Torah. They had the, the Pentateuch. They had what we call the Tanakh. The Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus was revealing something at that point. Was reminding them of something at that point. When you talk of the Torah, when you talk of the Pentateuch, God, referring to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those were written by Moses. The Tanakh is the whole Old Testament. And that's what the Hebrews were using during the time of Jesus. They only had the Old Testament. So anytime you see the word scripture, it was referring to the Old Testament. It was referring to the Old Testament. So, right from the beginning, in the book of Genesis, the Bible speaks of a woman. And when Jesus started his ministry, Mary knew very well what Jesus could do about the situation. Jesus had never performed any miracle by that time. But Mary knew. She knew it very well that Jesus has something to do. He can do something about their situation. She knew he is the son of God. She knew he was the Messiah. She knew he is God in the flesh. And Jesus, when he says woman, he's connecting his ministry with what God has said in the beginning. He reminds us of the purpose of his ministry. 
That word woman is a very powerful word. When he said woman, it reminds us of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Genesis chapter 3 15, the Bible says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. That's when God gave, you know, he gave judgment to the serpent. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head. And he shall bruise his heel. Jesus Christ came to crush the head of the serpent. He's saying, you are that woman that God talked about in Genesis chapter 3. He reminded Mary, he reminded everyone that this woman, she's the one who gave birth to that seed that came to bruise the head of the serpent. And Jesus is saying to them, I am that seed that came to crush the head of the serpent. I am the Messiah. I'm the one who was sent by God. Jesus says in verse 4, Dear woman, that's not our problem. Dear woman, dear woman, dear woman. He's not disrespecting his mother. He's scriptural. He's, he's, he's referring them to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And he continues to say, My time has not yet come. This is very interesting. He says, my time has not yet come. Because he knew that Mary understood who Jesus was. There's a difference between our time and God's time. Our time is what we call chronos. Chronos. That's the time that we have. That you use uh, in your, in your, in your, use your clock, your watch, your cell phone. That's what we call chronos. 7 p.m., 3 p.m., you know, 6 p.m. or 7 a.m. That is a chronos. That's the chronos. It's a time that we are all subjected to every day. The time that we start our Bible study and the time that we end our Bible study is the chronos. My brother, my sister, Jesus was not talking about the chronos here. He was talking about God's timing, what you call kairos. There's a difference between kairos and chronos. Kairos is God's time. Kairos is God's time. When Jesus Christ came, the Bible says He came at the right time. He came at God's timing. Go to Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. King James Bible says, But when the fullness of the time had come, when the kairos had come, God sent forth His Son, born of what? Of a woman. Born of a woman. That's what Jesus was referring to. Born of a woman. Born under the law. So Jesus came at the right time. He was born of a woman. So when Jesus says woman to Mary, he was referring to the scriptures. I like, you know, Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. NIV says, but when the right time had come, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. So Kairos is God's timing. God does not do things based on our time. God does not use our chronos. He uses Kairos. God does not do things based on our calendar. He uses Kairos. He has his own time. That's why you cannot hurry God and you cannot slow God. Mary wanted Jesus to perform the miracle at the time that she wanted. Jesus says, my time has not yet come. 
It could be the right Kronos, but not the right Kairos. How many times have you prayed and cried to God for an answer? And you don't get the results that you expected or that you thought you'd expect. Sometimes you feel like God is delaying. Some of you have been praying for a child for many years and you feel like God is delaying. Don't give up. God is never ailing and God is never late. Some of you have been asking for a job for a long time and you feel like God is delaying. You may feel like you need money right now. You need money right now. God says not yet. Some of you, you, you have been asking for, job, for a job, for promotion, you know, for, for a relationship, for marriage, and you feel like God is delaying. God will answer you at the right time. Please do not give up on God. Things will happen at the right time, in God's timing. Once Mary realized that it was not the right time, yet, now, in verse 5, the Bible says, verse 5, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. She says, in the meantime, just do what he's telling you, whatever he will tell you to do, just go ahead and do it. He says, my advice to you is, in the meantime, just do whatever he told you to do. Whatever he's telling you to do, just do it. I do not know what he told you. As you are listening today, Maybe he told you to stop certain habits. While you are waiting for him to answer your prayer. Maybe he told you to stop some sinful lifestyle. My advice to you is, my brother, my sister, whatever I told you to do, just stop it. Whatever I told you to do, just do what he told you to do. Maybe he told you to stop from going to some places. You just have to stop going there. Maybe he told you to pray for the sick. He told you to be in the intercession ministry. He told you to be uh, in the evangelistic ministry, to evangelize and share the word of God with other people. Don't get discouraged just because you have not received what you need. Just because he has not answered your prayer yet. Just do what he tells you to do. While you are waiting for your answer, do something. Do not neglect what he told you to do. It's very interesting to, to some Christians, or most Christians, we claim that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. That statement is a very powerful statement. It's a very powerful statement. To most Christians, Jesus is, is not their Lord. He's only their Savior. He's only their Savior. Lord, what it means, Lord means you own me. I will do everything that you tell me to do. To some Christians, it's only their Savior. But it's not their Lord. He saved you from going to hell. But is He your Lord? Is He the Lord of your life? Do you do what He tells you to do? Or you just do what sounds popular? Or you just do what you want to do? When you say Lord, what you are simply saying is, I will do everything that you tell me to do, Lord. When you keep doing the right things, no matter how long it takes, the right results will finally come. God's timing. It's always the best timing. It's always the best timing. It's always the best timing. 
You know, as we continue the chapter, we realize that finally he was able to perform a miracle and he told them to pour some water in those containers. And when they tasted the water, it, was, it had changed to wine. Now, as we're going to close, I'm going to read John chapter 2, verse 11, towards the end of that chapter. John chapter 2, verse 11. It's very, very important. It says, this miraculous sign, remember I told you, John calls them signs. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is very important, this. And his disciples believed in him. It's very significant. It's very significant because the purpose of the miracles was so that somebody should believe. In verse 12, it says, After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. By the way, Mary had other children besides Jesus. Mary did not remain a virgin after she gave birth to Jesus. She got married to Joseph and she gave birth to more uh, children, boys and girls. So those who still believe that Mary is still a virgin, uh, they are misled. But then the last one that I want us to read is John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And here we see uh, the purpose of a miracle being explained. John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs. You see how, how John puts it. John he is very specific. He doesn't say miracles. He says signs in the presence of his disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe. Remember what, what the Bible said in verse 12? His disciples believe. And here it says that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. So, John calls them signs. He calls them signs. The purpose of the miracles, the purpose of any sign is to point you to Jesus. The purpose of any miracle is not to demonstrate the power that your pastor has. All godly miracles point you to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Anointed One, as the Son of God. The purpose of any miracle is to point you uh, to Jesus. Any miracle must always point you to Jesus. Any miracle that points you to your pastor, any miracle that points you to, to your man of God, any miracle that points you to, to your prophet, to your apostle, it is not a miracle of God. Any miracle that glorifies the name of the prophet is not of God. God does not have VIPs or special agents. God can use anyone. He can use you. He can use me to perform a miracle. There are no special people. God can use anyone that he chooses to use at any time. Nobody is more saved than you. All of us we are equally saved. And God loves us equally. 
Actually, God can use even a donkey. <laughs> even stones. He can use anything. So just because somebody performs a miracle, it does not mean anything. Unless that miracle points to Jesus. If anyone claims to be, to, to, be, to be special or better than other people, that is not the Spirit of God. He is not a prophet of God. All signs, all miracles should point people to Christ and not to anyone else. In other words, after the miracle, people should be invited to salvation. People should be invited to accepting Christ. And my question to you is, do you believe? Because the purpose of the miracles is that we should believe in Christ. That we should believe in Christ. My brother, my sister, you need Jesus in your journey of life for 2022 to be a good year for you. It doesn't matter how many people wish you a happy new year. It's not factored in. You may have millions and billions of people wishing you happy new year. But that guarantees nothing. The only guarantee that we have it's when we get into 2022 with Jesus. When we prepare our year, we prepare it by inviting Him in all areas of our lives and do whatever He tells us to do. We do whatever He tells us to do. That is the only guarantee that we have for 2022. And my question to you is, are you inviting in 2022? Are you ready for 2022? Or are you just planning to invite new friends and better people and you have your own places that you want to visit? How about inviting Jesus? Like this couple in Cana. Because I assure you at some point in 2022 you will run out of wine. And if you have not invited Jesus in your life, what will you do when you run out of wine? Let's pray.